0: Saw the, the baby bottles out there. Um, we're doing a fundraiser for the Care Center of Huntsville and the Care Center ministers to uh, ladies. My son. we are ministering. I don't like being I don't like being chained down. Sorry. Um, okay, it says it's on. Um, we are uh, the. the The baby bottles out there are for uh, the uh, Care Center of Huntsville, which is an organization that ministers to uh, women and uh, helps with pregnancies, unplanned pregnancies. There's a lot of uh, great work that they do. If you haven't already picked up one of those, pick up one of those and... uh, We're we're collecting funds. We're going to bring those back on Father's Day. And so uh, that is June the 16th, I believe. Um, So if you haven't picked up one of those, there's still some out there. We would love for you to pick up one of those. Um, Also, um, out there at the the, uh, um, hub, you will see some of these things. I want you to see... These are, uh, this is a little handout that goes with the series that we're starting today. We're starting a series called The Real God, and we're studying in all our classes adult, teen, uh, uh, and children about attributes of God. And and this is a, a way that you can log on at home and there's little videos that you can watch as a family and then it'll give you a discussion guide so that you can talk about those and process some of this at home. So this is us attempting to put resources in your hand where you can take this and make it part of your family. Now some of you guys are like, well Jeff, I'm, I'm not a class person. I can't make it here that early on Sunday morning. Hey, we're not Judging you, if you will, uh, if you will shoot me an email during this week, um, I will shoot you the links of uh, how you can connect to Right Now Media, and you can watch all the things that they're going to do in class um, from wherever you are. If you're driving on your commute, or or if you're uh, sitting at home, however you choose to do that, we want you to be a part of this. Whether however you have to do that, um, we also want you to be a part of our. End of school. School's out. Bash S N T. That's tonight. What time is that? Somebody. Five. Five, Five p.m. And there is going to be uh, lots of fun. There's going to be lots of fellowship. Is there food? There's even food. And so we've got the three F's covered. You should be here um that that is at five o'clock we're going to have a little s we're going to kick off our summer uh s&t for those of you who who are visiting you don't know our acronyms but that's sunday night together um if if over the summer, we're going to do a, a series we're calling God's Avengers. We're going to go through Hebrews 11. We're going to look at all the heroes of Hebrews 11, and so uh, that's going to be our theme for the S and Ts over the summer. But this is going to kick it off tonight with a Devo and lots of fun. So come be a part of that. So as we've moved into this series this morning, I shared a quote with the class that is from a, a, a theologian named A. W. Tozer, and and He says um, that that the way we perceive God influences every aspect of our life. The way we see God colors how we relate to ourselves, how we relate to one another. It it has everything to do with everything. Because how we see God is is how we relate personally. It's how we uh, reach out uh, corporately. It's everything how we see god this is the 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 idea this personal struggle that we all face is is god on my side is is the the things that god is calling me to are they are they things that i need to pursue does god have my best interests at heart um you know by uh, a few years ago by anybody's estimation we were doing well. Uh, my family and I. We lived in the woodlands, and I had been working for uh, Conroe School District for about fifteen years. Um, and I had been teaching. I was uh, a special ed uh, teacher, and um, had had. Uh, a, a, I was pretty good at it. Um, I, I was uh, teaching the the. Behavior problem students, and uh, I would do a lot of uh, uh, teaching of other teachers and and i 'd be called to other campuses and and we're fairly successful. Um, Hillary was part of a thriving counseling practice and and if you 've ever been to the woodlands, you know there 's a lot of people that need that down there um, sorry if you 're listening to this and you live in the woodlands, I apologize, um, but uh, th- she was part of a, a thriving practice and Um, we We were doing well. And in the midst of all that, I got a call from some old friends of mine whose parents lived in a little town in West Texas. And they said that their parents' church was looking for a preacher and they thought we'd be a great fit. And I thought, that's hilarious. Because I'm done with that part of my life. I don't do that anymore. Um, I, I was a youth minister for a long time, and, and, and I was a minister. I walked away from all that. I told everybody that uh, I, I still loved God. I just was a little tired of His people. And uh, I, 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 not y'all, those are different people. Um, so I was done with that part of my life. And, and we talked about it, and I kind of joked about it, and we forgot it. Until I got another call, because this good friend of mine, being the good friend that he is, went ahead and submitted my name for that position. And um, I got a call from them saying, we'd like to talk to you. And I said, well, there's been a mix-up. There's been a mistake, because I'm not interested in this. And I appreciate it. Uh, It's wonderful. I appreciate you contacting me. I appreciate you talking to me. But but no thanks. The problem was that it started eating at us. And, And we started thinking, okay is, is, is God trying to tell us something? Because this kept coming back, and it kept coming back, and so we started praying about it. God, is this, is this from you? Is this what you want us to do? And, Every Sunday when we would go to church it seemed like the preacher was preaching on Abraham being called away or or something that had to do with with this and 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 so we even had uh, elders pray with us because we were struggling with you know what what are I supposed to do here? And, and so finally we said, you know what, we're just going to go and we're going to have the interview and, and, and we're going to get this out of my system and it'll, it'll be done and we can move on. And so we drove out to West Texas and, and which seemed like forever because if you've been to West Texas, it's not the end of the world, but you can see it from there. And we, we drove out to West Texas, and as we rolled into this little town, they had the typical courthouse square that you've seen. And on that courthouse square was one of those benches uh, uh, that, that has the signs on the back of it. And it was one of those black signs with the white lettering that was a quote from God. You've seen those? And it says, Do you know where you're going? God. And I rolled down the window and started screaming, No, I don't know where I'm going. I'm here because you told me to come here. And Hillary thought then that I was the one that needed the counseling. Long story short, we were afraid. I was afraid of trusting him because what I had was solid. I had a a retirement, I had insurance, I had financial stability. And I was being asked to go somewhere, I felt, where we had no family, where we had no friends, where we had no connection, to do something that I wasn't sure I could do. And it was terrifying, because the struggle that we all face at some point in our lives is can we trust God? When God's calling me to this place, can I trust God? This is is the private battle that every follower of Christ must face and win. There are no exceptions. It's a battle for my heart. I have to decide, can I trust God? Some people call that surrender. Others call call it being all in. Some call it being totally committed. But Jesus said, it's picking up your cross and following Him. It's scary. There's a barrier in there. The, 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 barrier, is, it, the, the barrier to this, to this battle is, is there's an entire world system that, that goes against everything that, that is trying to, to, to woo my heart, if you will, to, 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 to distract me from following God, from being where I'm supposed to be. Um, you, you'll hear talk these days of something called FOMO. Have you heard of that? It's called fear of missing out. Um, that, that that's the reason we keep checking our phones all the time, because we're afraid that there's something happening somewhere that we're not a part of. And, and we have this fear that, that we're missing out on something, that we're going to be out of the loop. And uh, that's not a new thing, remember? I mean, go back to Genesis. Go back to the beginning. What was the temptation? The temptation was, God's trying to keep stuff from you. You're missing out on the fullness of life if, if, if you would just eat of this fruit. You see, it's not a new thing. It's always been there. The first sin was a, a belief that God wasn't good. That if, a, if God was good, He would give you everything. And the fact that He put these parameters on you means that He's not good. And, and so for believers, we, we, we want to try harder. And and, and we say, I'll I'll just work on trusting God more. I'll I'll work on being a better Christian. I'll work on coming to church more. I'm really going to be committed this time. You ever said that? And then we come back later, and we keep hitting that breakthrough, that barrier. We keep hitting that barrier. I'm going to do it this time. And I hit that barrier. The truth is the breakthrough only comes when we believe that God is good. When I believe that God is for me, that He's on my side, that God is good, that He wants the best for me. When I can believe that, then I can surrender, and that surrender is a channel through which His biggest and best blessings can flow. Uh, the, most, the most intellectually feasible, most emotionally fulfilling path that we can take is to do what God calls us to do. Because all His commandments are for our good. And so all those things that the world tells us is, is, is designed to take away the fun in our lives are, are really God providing parameters for us and saying, if you live within this, this is your best life. This is what I created you for. When you veer off down these side roads, that's when you wind up in the ditch. And, and so it's all about following His path. So, I, the, the thesis of our series, the thesis of our, our talk this morning would be that our distorted view of God is pretty much the root of all of our problems, that that. A.W. Tozer comes back in that that same book that I gave you that quote from and and says there's a secret law of the soul that that you and I will move and make decisions consciously and unconsciously towards our mental image of God, towards who we believe God is. Therefore, if God is not good, if He's not for you, if you don't believe that at the core of your being, then, then you constantly struggle with commitment. We struggle with trust. We we play this game where we flirt with how close can I get to sin, how how much can I push the line, how close can I get without actually tumbling over, and ultimately we never fully trust in God. So it leads to a it leads to a scarcity mentality. There's there's not much to go around. I, I better get mine. I need this position, I, I, I need this, this fashion, I must look like this, or I have to own that, or I have to have this, otherwise people will think this about me. And, and, and so our significance and our security, it becomes wrapped up in chasing all these fleeting things, as opposed to resting in the significance that a good God loves me. So we're going to go through and study who God is that's the idea of where we're headed and we're going to start with the goodness of God the goodness of God is revealed to Moses in Exodus chapter 33 and 34 the the context is that that all the children of Israel have seen God's power They've seen Him uh, as He rained down the plagues on Egypt. They've seen Him part the Red Sea. They've, they've seen that Red Sea collapse then on the Egyptians. They have seen the, the pillar of fire. They have, they have seen the smoke. They've seen the glory of God. They've seen all these things that are His power. And, and now Moses has, has, has seen God's power. He's seen these miraculous things, but he wants more. He wants an intimate relationship with God. Psalm 103.7 gives us some insight when it says, He made made known His ways to Moses and His deeds to the people of Israel. All of Israel saw God's miraculous acts. And and that's true of us too. We've encountered things in our lives. We've encountered big challenges or, or, or we've come across something and we've prayed diligently for it. And, and, and we've seen the power of God at work through that. We could tell story after story after story of, of God working in our lives or in our family's lives or in our church's lives or in the lives of those that we know because someone sought Him and, and God chose to, to work miraculously. But the problem is, is that those acts aren't enough to sustain us, just like for the children of Israel. God's acts don't alone sustain us. His ways do let me unpack that a little bit inevitably during a tragedy you'll you'll hear you'll hear stories of the family who who changed their plans at the last minute and 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 they were going to be on the plane that went down but at the last minute their their plans changed and, and they were spared and everybody will say isn't God good or or we'll hear how the The tornado or the hurricane miraculously skipped over a a believer's home and and went on its way. And, And they will say, isn't God good? Or the person who prayed diligently for a cure for their illness to be taken away and then miraculously it was, and they were cured and God's people will say, isn't God good? The problem with that is that it rings hollow to a world that sees the other side of that? What about all those people on that plane whose plans weren't changed? Why wasn't God good to them, the world asks. Or what about the other houses in the neighborhood that were decimated by the hurricane, by the tornado? Why wasn't God good to them? Or what about the hundreds of others, the thousands of others who were suffering from the same illness, who were not cured, who were not healed? Why wasn't God good to them? To them. And so this this isn't God good sentiment rings hollow because the world tries desperately to make it so. But it's also because we have it all wrong. God's acts don't sustain us, His ways do. God doesn't say, I do good things, God says, I am good. There's a difference. See, Moses makes an outrageous request of God. He, I, I think it's a request that, that thrilled God and, and that God was pleased with. But Moses says, show me your glory. Show me who you are. And God says, you don't know what you're asking for. You can't handle me. But here's what I'm going to do. I want you to hide over here in this little, in this little hole in the rock, and, and I'm going to make all my... Goodness, Exodus 33, verse 19, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. Isn't that interesting? God doesn't say I'm going to cause all my holiness to pass in front of you. Not all my power to pass in front of you, but all my goodness. Exodus 34 verse 6 and the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord the Lord God merciful and gracious long suffering and abundant in goodness and truth abundant in goodness now that word translated goodness there is is a word that we've come across before and if you study the Old Testament at length you will come across it's it's the word hesed I'm not going to say it like a Hebrew cuz I don't want to splatter the front row but but that 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 phrase that word is we don't have a translation for that in English and so the the translators do the best they can it's translated steadfast love it's translated long suffering it's translated goodness it's translated kindness it's translated loving kindness but it's a concept that we don't understand it's it's the love that never fails it's the the, the kindness that never ceases it's it's the unmerited favor that we don't deserve it's it's the the love and and the Kindness that, that will will go through the, the flames and, and never be burned that, that will never stop no matter how much we deserve for it to stop that is hesed it's, it's found throughout the Old Testament some two hundred seventy six times and and Jesus is going to say in matthew nine thirteen when he's quoting Hosea he says, Go and un, go and learn what this means I desire Hesed, that's the word, and not sacrifice when he's quoting Hosea. He says if you figure out Hesed, if you figure out God's loving kindness, steadfast love, then you'll understand me because I am the fullness of God. If you want to understand God, you have to understand that concept. And so it's not an easy answer to understand what that is. It's, it's like favor, but it, but it also has an element of kindness. It's, it's like mercy, but it's more than mere charity. It's a lot like love, but it's not a, a mere fleeting emotion. It's, it's something different. Uh, another preacher, Bobby Valentine, puts it like this. Steadfast love, never-ending love. Hell will freeze over before I give up on you, love. New every morning love. That is hesed. It is the core of God's heart. It is who He is. It's God's goodness. It's the essence of His being. Tozer goes on in Knowledge of the Holy and, and, and says, The goodness of God is that which disposes Him to be kind, cordial, benevolent, and full of goodwill toward men. He is tender-hearted and of quick sympathy. By His nature, He is inclined to bestow blessedness. And He takes holy pleasure in the happiness of His people. How do you react when you mess up? When when, when you fail? Because we all do, right? I mean, that's not news to anybody. I know we're not supposed to say that in church, but we all mess up, right? We, we all fail. How do you react? Do, do you feel like God is up there with his arms crossed and 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 like God's attitude is, uh-huh. Again, huh? I don't know how many times we're gonna have to deal with the same issue, Jeff. All right? Is that our picture of God? Or or do we view Him like uh, uh, this this, that He's up there, we talked about in class this morning, that that He's up there poised with His lightning bolt and He's just waiting for me to mess up so He can zap me? Because He's just, I know, here it comes. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. Got Him! Is that our view of God? Here's what's behind the power of temptation. The whole idea behind the power of temptation is this belief that God's not good, that He's not for me. That He's withholding goodness from me. It's the original temptation. It's the temptation that still hits all of us today. It's, it's the lie that, that real success, real fulfillment, everything that we're looking for is, is somewhere out there and that God's keeping it from us. So we ended up following that call. We ended up walking away from retirement, from a, a practice that she had built, from having insurance, from from having security to the unknown. But the beauty of that story is that's why I'm standing here today. Because God blessed us. Not because we're holy or anything. But but because we trusted in His goodness. We trusted that His call was something that was was to bless me. Even though... The worldly view said, this is where you should stay because this makes sense. Sometimes the godly choice doesn't make earthly sense. Ultimately, the question is, who do you trust? Do you trust God or do you trust yourself? Do you cling to what you can see? Are you going to settle for only what you can accomplish on your own? or Are, are you going to, to walk on God's path and, and say, I have no fear of missing out because on this path God will never withhold what's best from me? That's a statement of faith. That's a promise to claim. And, and I'm going to tell you, it'll change the course of your life when we believe that God is good, that God is for us, that God is on our side, it changes everything about who we are, about how we relate to Him, about how we relate to others. It changes everything. Because if God has your best in mind, And and if He is the sovereign and all-wise God and He is leaning forward on the throne to bless your life, to help you, then our response can only be whatever He says, that's what I want to do. Because He sees the total picture. He sees everything and He wants what's best for me. The proof of God's goodness, the Bible says, is in Jesus Christ. Paul will say in Romans that God demonstrates His love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners. Not after we cleaned up our act. Not after we got it all together. Not not after we we straightened up and, and, and did what we were supposed to do. While we were still sinners. We talked about in class this morning, Christianity is the only religion where... We're not supposed to be good to try to please or or win the goodness of our God. Every other religion, you're good and you do what's right so that you can win favor from your God or gods. Christianity says that your God is good and He loved you even when you were unlovable. Your God is good and He was for you even before you even understood who He was. That He's always been good. He's always been on your side. And the proof of that is found in Jesus Christ. He's also the guarantee. Jesus is also the guarantee of the future goodness of God. Not just that He has been good, but that He will be good. He who did not spare His own Son, Romans 8.32, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also, along with Him, graciously give us all things? Jesus is the guarantee of God's future goodness. And so this morning, how do we respond to that? We respond to that by heeding His call, by coming to Him. His call to us is to repent. Jesus comes and and, and his, His message that He preaches is repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of God is here right now. Repent. That doesn't mean that that we're all evil. It means that we turn and follow Him. That we turn from our own path and we walk along God's path. And to do that, we repent. We confess that God is good and I'm not. And we trust, we submit, we surrender to Him. We demonstrate that through baptism. When we are lowered into the water and we are raised to walk in a new life, that is our submission. That is our surrender to Him. But that's just the beginning. Because the Bible says that then when we do that, that same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead comes to live inside of you and makes you a new creature. Something the world has never seen before Jesus. So the response is, do you claim that goodness? Do you accept that goodness? Do you you this morning say, I believe that God is good and that He wants only what is good for me? If we accept that, if we hold on to that, it's going to change your life. We want to help you on that journey. That's what the church is here for, to proclaim God's goodness to proclaim God's goodness that is demonstrated through Jesus Christ and to help one another to walk along that path that God has called us to. However we can help you this morning, won't you come and accept that right now while together we stand and sing. Amen.